Welcome back to a new episode of For the Love of Weather podcast. This is the podcast where we discuss all things weather and how they can impact our daily lives. We hope that you leave this episode and every episode that you're listening to loving the weather just that little bit more. Hi, I'm meteorologist Gemma. Hello, and I'm meteorologist and weather presenter Ashling. And if you can hear any noise in the background, it's because my little people have not gone to sleep yet. But we are very excited to play on with our episode tonight. And we are going to introduce author and illustrator of Meet the Weather, Carol Hart and Bethan Wolven, who's the illustrator. And the book is out now and it's called Meet the Weather. But we actually have already had your Meet the Planets book. And I've recently got Meet the Oceans book. And I'll just say I'm a big fan. That's fantastic. Yes, pleased to hear that. <laughs> so we love to just start by asking all of our guests. So first of all, Carol, for you as an author, where did that first spark of joy that you thought, mm, I'm going to put pen to paper and I feel like I need to tell people something? Uh, do you mean for this particular book or for writing in general? No, for writing in general, go back. Okay, back and back and back. Like many um, first-time parents, it started when I had my own children, um, when my daughter was born, uh, 24 years ago. And we rediscovered children's books, so we went to the library a lot, read a lot of books. We didn't have a lot of money, so the library was nice and warm and the books were free. So we spent a lot of time there, and, and I read some really great books. And obviously it is quite a lot harder than you realise when you're reading them. But um, I just kept going and it took 10 years for my first book to come out. But I did have a job and I did also have another child in between. So I was quite busy. It wasn't 10 years of like full time working at it. It was 10 years of kind of dabbling and seeing whether I thought it was something I could do. So, yeah. That's really impressive because I don't even know how you'd go about starting even writing a book, let alone what you would write about, how long it's going to be and who you want to read it so tell us a bit more about that journey yeah so I first started um just fiddling around and writing a few things in rhyme sent a few things off to publishers had no idea what I was doing really and did get a couple of one-line rejections back so I was like oh they've, they've written back to me so that's good um and then a friend advised me to go to the International Children's Book Fair in Bologna in Italy and so um, eventually I did that, took a portfolio, met people, networked, um, gate crashed a party and, and the rest is history. So, yeah, my first book came out in 2009 and I think I'm on about 65 now. That's incredibly, that's impressive. Congratulations. <laughs> that's <laughs> and Bethan, tell us for you, when was that first little spark of, right, I'm, I'm going to I think I'm going to draw people's books and what people have in their head. How does how did that even start? You take us back. Tell us about your journey. Well, I suppose like I've always been really, really arty. Um, even when I was younger, um, as a kid, I found school really, really tricky. Um, I wasn't particularly academic, and I think for me, uh, kind of creativity was my outlet, and it was something that I was really good at and I really enjoyed. So. I always knew I was going to do something arty um, and then kind of when I'd left school in sixth form um, I went and studied uh, illustration as a degree and when I was kind of uh, on my course um, you know it was just like a general illustration course um, I wasn't kind of infatuated with books by that point um, I was just kind of you know trying anything I'll illustrate anything you know magazines or you know posters all different types of things and it's just like a really nice period of experimental creativity I suppose and um, it was only when I was in my second year um, I think we got like a book project set for us where it was kind of you've got six weeks to make a book kind of go and make something and it was um I decided that I was gonna kind of focus on like a children's book because it was like the one area I've not really dabbled in at all so um I kind of got started making a children's book and I kind of based it around a fairy tale and I actually ended up winning this competition that I submitted it to and 
I sort of then fell into making books. It was really not planned. And I feel like sometimes I've got like the worst story for, <laughs> for like getting into children's books because I know that so many people do really try really, really hard to actually get into it. And I, I know the industry is tough, but I completely fell into it. Didn't know what I was doing. And, um, but I mean, I, I thoroughly love doing it, I guess. Um, so yeah, it was just a bit of a, you know, odd situation. I ended up getting a few kind of contracts to work on a few books. And then weirdly enough, people keep giving me more. So <laughs> it must be working. You're definitely doing something right. And so tell us about the journey of the two of you coming together. And um, Carol, how do you get someone to bring to life what's in your head? And Bethan, how does that how do you hear what somebody says and think, I think this is what they mean? So um, there's seven different ways that um, a book can originate. So it might be that I would write a text and I would send it to a publisher and if they liked it, they would source an illustrator who they thought would be good to illustrate. They would then ask me if I liked them and, if we, and, and they would ask the illustrator if they liked the story. And if everyone says yes, then that goes ahead. Or it could be a commission, which is what this one was, where um, Bloomsbury, who published the, 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 the Meet the World series, spotted some little animated GIFs on Bethan's website of some of the planets in Meet the Planets. So these little characters. Um, they were just like little rotating GIFs of planets with eyes on, and they looked just so super cute. And I was in the Bloomsbury office one day, and uh, my editor there said, oh, we've got these little illustrations that someone called Beth and Morgan has done. We really love them. And we wanted to know whether you would be interested in writing a rhyming book about the planets where each planet talks to you and tells you a little bit about themselves. Would you like to do that? And I'm like, yes, because I always say yes. And um, so that's so Meet the Planets was born. And it did so well that Bloomsbury said uh, that book came out brilliantly. Everybody loved it. Schools love it. It's just very topical. Do you want to do another one? Um, what about Meet the Oceans? So I'm like, yes, we'll do Meet the Oceans. And Meet the Oceans has done even better. And so um, we were then asked if we would write a third book about the weather. And that's the one that we're currently doing together now. So, um, yeah, so basically... Um, when I said yes, I went away and did a lot of research because there are actual true facts in these stories. They're aimed at very, very young children, but and they're they're humorous rhymes, but they do have factual information as well. Um, so I did a lot of research because I didn't know anything about space. And then with all these pages and pages of notes, I had to decide what to include and what not, because I had literally like eight lines per planet or four lines per planet. So it's quite hard to decide what to keep in and what to take out. Um, and then once that text was more or less there, then that was sent over to Bethan to fill in all the blanks with wonderful pictures. So, Carol, I'm so curious about your process because so I would consider myself a communicator in my job and my day to day. I look at a lot of technical stuff and then you have to break it down into something that's useful and simple and even um for me that has changed a lot since you know I became a mother I just want to know when I can go to the playground whether it's wet or dry so tell me how did you first of all get first like where did you start looking about the weather and then how did you break that down because that is definitely the hardest part trying to communicate that to younger people I really struggle with that yeah so with me the weather I think um so because I know Bethan's style and I know like how she can kind of bring inanimate objects to life and give them a personality, what we're really trying to do is give the different weather systems a personality. So I wrote down the list of all the weather that I could think of. So we've got sunshine, we've got clouds, we've got tornado, we've got fog, um, thunder and lightning, um, wind, I mean, how do you illustrate wind? This is where Bethan is a real genius because she can illustrate wind and give it a personality and a face. Like, how do you do that? Snow. So we wrote down all the main weathers and I discussed those with Bloomsbury, the publisher, to check that they were on the same page, that these were probably the main weathers that people would know. 
and the book actually um, each um, scene is in a different part of the world. So we've got different weathers in. So for rain, for example, we have a rainforest. For a tornado, we've got like the North American plains. So we we're going around the world as well because we wanted the book to have an international feel. And then yeah, I just thought about like. For example, fog is one of my favourites. So we have fog here who has little round glasses and is a, a little bit of a granny. I sort of imagine her doing her knitting and because I thought, well, you can't really see anything in fog, can you? And, and maybe it was a granny who was a bit short sighted and couldn't really see you. And I kind of imagined her voice. Of, so she says, oh, hello, dear, I I'm fog. Please come closer. It's also awfully tricky to see. Take my hand now and mind where you're going. There's no weather as murky as me. So she's like a little old lady. And then Bethan has beautifully illustrated that. That's kind of what we tried to do. Um, and like with snow, so snow says, um, here's a snow scene. And snow says, I'm a snow darling, don't you just love me? I'm so feathery, fluffy and light. When I float to the ground, I'm so pretty. I can turn the whole landscape pure white. So she's a bit kind of, you know, flouncy and... Carol, can I just say, it's so lovely to listen to you read that book. I read it, but to actually hear it read <laughs> by the person who put the words to it, genuinely, I was like, oh my God, my voice. You need to put a little Yoto thing together. You know, one of the little Yoto... Uh, reading things it, with your voice on it it's so endearing oh it's lovely it's really nice yes. <laughs> um, thank you <laughs> Beth, and tell us a little bit about your process with um so you've done the you've done the planets you've done earth obviously me and Gemma are big fans of the weather but we love everything to do with the earth and nature is that also like a passion for you and is it oh. easy for you to imagine all of those things oh yeah completely like I I I find that I'm quite drawn to, you know, a lot of nature and that always comes through in all of my work. And it was such a delight, you know, working on Meet the Weather because I was able to illustrate all of these different environments, like Carol was saying. So, you know, being able to like illustrate a foggy scene that I imagined was kind of this really dark, foggy park almost. So you could just about see all of the um like street lamps because that's what I think of when I think of fog and I suppose that's how I like my process worked for illustrating all of the different weathers what what do I think about like what comes to my mind visually when I think about a tornado oh I think about America like <laughs> it's I, I suppose it's kind of as like a shorthand coming from your own brain and uh, that's how I get all of my images onto paper despite the fact that I love illustrating nature and the weather is part of it actually trying to personify kind of things that aren't really there like aren't tangible apart from rain and I don't know hail what there aren't many weathers that you could hold so like rainbow and things. So finding a way to like make them into a character was really tricky. I think the trickiest one I did was wind because mm. showing wind, which is invisible apart from the things that are blowing with it, is really tricky. And so like having kind of creating this gust of wind was a real challenge, but I love a challenge and Carol never doesn't challenge me when she writes her verses and it's so funny because Carol will write, write all these fantastic verses and they're wonderful and then I'm going oh could you just um change this bit here and then I can do something really cool um because sometimes like her words are like almost a fantastic starting point and it's kind of sent my brain on it totally different tangent and I'm like oh I've got this fantastic idea Carol it only means you need to rewrite two verses <laughs> which actually is really really hard because rhyme is tricky so um I'm sure that <laughs> she's not always best pleased about that but um yeah it's we we have great fun making these books don't we Carol <laughs> yeah we absolutely do I mean that is the kind of downside of writing in rhyme um because you can't just change one word 
because the, the word you substitute, it might not rhyme, it might not scan. There's, it's like, I, I kind of imagine, like when you're writing rhyme, it's like building a wall. And then if you have to make a change, you have to like take the wall down, change that brick and then build it back up again in a slightly different way, um, whilst also making it different from every other bit of wall. So it is an, a really interesting process and, and it's quite, um, I love it because it's, it is quite a challenge and it's really satisfying when you get it right and it, and it reads well and it reads, if it's easy to read, then that to me is like that has worked. And I, I kind of think like the the more naturally a rhyming book reads, probably the more work that's gone into it, but the easier it is to actually read, you know what I mean? So like it's definitely um, a collaborative project. All these books are definitely like hugely collaborative. Um, and it's because I get to see Bethan's drawings at all the different stages. So she will do roughs and I get sent those. And it's so exciting because obviously I'm not an artist like Bethan. So I can't imagine how on earth she's going to turn like the Pacific Ocean into a character. How do you even do that? So when Bethan's drawings have come back and she's she's really clever on like showing different perspectives, like the spread for the rain and meet the weather is actually looking up. So the rain, it feels like the rain is really falling down on you. It's so clever the way she's done that. And it's just such a delight to kind of see the book at all the different stages. I have a quick question about one of the illustrations, actually. So in the tornado section, there is a a, a cow that's flying around. There is. And I just once wondered, is that a reference to the film Twister? I actually, <laughs> when I was drawing it, when I think of tornadoes, I think of Wizard of Oz, you know, where the house gets sucked up into the air and all the things are, you know, flying around. I actually do really love the film Twister. <laughs> so I suppose maybe that's in my brain too. But yes, there are a few things in there that are very um, kind of Wizard of Oz. I think that was quite an inspiration for that page, actually. But my favourite is actually the teapot. And all the all of the tea flowing out of the teapot because I'd be heartbroken if all of my tea fell out of my teapot around. <laughs> That's what I'd be most upset about. <laughs> I noticed that as well. And things I'm gonna have to look back at it now. Yeah, with like knowing that you've sort of based it a little bit with like the Wizard of Oz. Because as soon as I saw it, I thought that just reminds me of the film Twister with the flying cow. <laughs> Do you know what? A fun fact, per capita in the UK, we have more tornadoes than they do in the US. Really? Is that true? Oh, right. oh my word. Yeah. Do you know, my, um, my great granddad, um, once he slept through a um, mini tornado um, in his house and his entire garage just flew away. <laughs> he just slept through it in his armchair and he didn't even realise <laughs> Missing, missing the storm outside I'd be glued, glued. <laughs> we, um, we just did an event actually for meet the weather at um, a bookshop called seven stories and Bethan did a draw along and one of one of the, um, the things that they drew was the tornado and the children absolutely loved yeah. suggesting what might be drawn up in the tornado they thought that was hilarious didn't they they came I know, and they were, they were asking me to draw on the spot. I was, you know, sort of saying, oh, you know, what sort of things would a tornado, uh, you know, kind of rip up, up off the earth? And then it started off really nice, like a tree. And it's like, great. Because, like, drawing on the spot is really hard. And then they started saying, a car. Oh no, it's gonna go wrong here. There's some sort of police van. And I was thinking, yeah. how am I gonna draw this on the spot? <laughs> and a donkey yeah and a donkey that's it yeah you guys have together on three books now is that right yeah that's right well four because there's another one in in production at the moment oh are we allowed to know what the name of it is i don't know i think it might be oh we we, you you don't have to tell us are we but you need to do one called meet the climate that's what you need to do Mm. that would be a good one that'd be tricky i think yeah um, mm. some rhyming when I go into school about meet the climate mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe it's about the only thing that rhymes with climate isn't it <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I wanted to say as well, like I really, you've mentioned it already, but I really loved the way that you like brought the weather to life and give, gave it a character. And there was bits of the, um, the book that I was reading to my nephew and I just thought, oh my gosh, it's so lovely. Like the reference when you said that the sunshine was playing hide and seek with the rain clouds for sunshine and showers. I was yeah. just like, oh my gosh, I absolutely love that section. Um, and the bit where you said the weather was always with us. Yeah. Every think- day and through every dark night. I was like, oh my gosh, because we love the weather. So we, But to say it's always with us, I was like, oh my gosh, I really love those sentences. <laughs> Oh, I know, but it's really emotive. It's really about a book. And actually, it just suddenly came to a different life there. When I heard Carol read those two pages, I was like, oh my God, I'm actually a bit emotional. <laughs> it's lovely. But also because I read it, but um, but yeah, genuinely myself and Gemma's, yeah, we the like the weather is what brought us together. It's what we talk about every day, is what we work hard at. It. Yeah, it's just such a beautiful book. I agree, Gemma. Well said. That was lovely. Oh, thank you. I mean, you know, one thing, one of the things we try. I mean, all books, but particularly in picture books, is you do want that emotional response. You want children to feel a connect with the thing that they're reading about and to to give the weather character and, and personality. Has it, already we're getting so much fantastic feedback from parents and teachers saying there is there, there's nothing else out there like this. It's really accessible and it makes something that's sort of, difficult to explain and are difficult to perceive kind of a a little bit more tangible for them and like the idea that the sun goes behind a cloud and then comes out again because children don't necessarily kind of get that they don't necessarily have the knowledge to know that the sun is a great ball of fire in the sky a long long way away they think it's they think the sky is a thing that you could you know that you can almost touch and one thing I like is um, the clouds say um, how I wish we could you could bounce on our tummies, but we're made up of water and mist. I'm glad I'm glad you've had an emotional response because that is the ultimate aim, really, in picture books. I think. Yeah, I think as well. Um, you know, I, I do a lot of evening reading. It's like the one time a day where I sort of just you know sit down and read as many books as we can. And so you know, a book is special when the kids keep going back to it and they keep looking at it and more recently um they are at a point where they might sort of sit in the bed themselves they're learning phonics and stuff they can't read but they know the story of the book Mm. when they pick up a book again and again and again you know it's a a good book and we have a couple of those some of them from when they're younger meet the planets was one before we found out about meet meet the weather and meet the weather is becoming one and you know it's a special book when kids keep picking it back up yeah, definitely. I mean, a child's not going to read a book that they're not interested in. Um, I actually had someone um, contacted me on social media quite recently and sent me a video of their two-year-old reciting all the names of the planets. Two years old in a high chair. Like, I didn't even know what the names of all the planets were before I started writing the book. So I think that's incredible to say that, you know, the characters that we've created together have had such an impact on young children. They really do. They really do. And actually, the, the I said we've been reading the planets one for longer. So we have little planets now on their curtains and they will talk about the planets and the rings and different things from from the, from the book. And it's always just that reminder. You can never teach them too young and they're never too young to take something in either. Definitely true. And, and the other thing we do is um, so Bethan and I have put together quite a lot of um like free printable activities that children can do either at home or at school um, just to kind of help draw them in, add, you know, add value to the book, draw them in, give them other activities to do. For Meet the Planets, there's loads of fact sheets because there was so many, I learned so much. I just thought I can't waste all this learning, can't fit it in the book. So I just made all these fact sheets for it. And those are all free for anyone that wants to download them. That's an amazing resource. I didn't know that. I'm going to go and check yeah. those out. That's great. We've got some great things to meet the weather. We've got meet the weather bunting. What else have we got, Bethan? Oh, um, we've got um, design your own hot air balloon. Yeah. Which and we've got um, draw your own weather. So we've got a scene and we've rubbed out all the weather so that the children can draw their own weather. Uh, we've got make a weather vane. Yeah, uh, that's a good one. Yeah. So I you could that. actually like laminate that as well if you wanted so that it could be used quite a lot. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah but that's a great, great idea I love the bit at the back of the book as well where people where you can get the like the kids to sort of identify on the sort of rainbow sort of chart what the weather yeah. is outside. I really like that as well, getting them to interact with that. Yeah. It was great. Well, that that is the weather vane activity. So we've basically reproduced that as an activity with an arrow to cut out and then you can stick it on your fridge and point to which weather it is. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I'd have to get one of them for my nephew. My nephew, for his first birthday, I got him his first sort of like weather station where he could say what the weather was today, what month it was. Amazing. Of course I had to. Yeah. <laughs> Are there any topics or anything that you would like to write about in the future? Sort of any sort of future topics for, for kids' books? For this series or just in general? In general. I mean, the, the, the list is endless, isn't it? I mean, I have books about Romans, Egyptians. I've got lots of books about nature. I've got lots of books about, a lot of my books feature kind of values of friendship and kindness, um, books with a diverse cast of characters, um, books about empathy, you know, things like that. I'd love to write a really funny book. Um, I've got a book coming out that's all about exercises and it, I read it to a load of um, reception children and they just absolutely loved it. They had a ball, so that was hilarious. that coming out or is that out already? That's coming out this year. It's called The Safari Stomp and it's illustrated by Nicholas Slater and it's based bunny hops, um, bear crawls, star jumps, but it's all animal-based. So it's a really good one for getting little kids moving um got a book coming out about being brave all sorts there's all sorts you can just you can write books about anything um obviously ones that kind of fit in with school curriculum topics uh are, are kind of handy but you know I think you've just got to pick something that you feel really strongly about at that point in time I think for me writing books is about partly about myself trying to make sense of concepts and ideas and then finding a way to communicate that in a really kind of accessible way that's not boring for parents. I get a lot of people on social media saying, oh, we read that book. We've read that book every night now for three weeks. And I'm like, yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> because children do obviously love to read things over and over again. And it's actually good for them to do that. But you want to make sure that your parents who are kind of having to do that aren't like really sick of your book as well so try and kind of put in a little bit of adult humor for them as well how about you Bethan oh what would I like to illustrate next uh do you know I always I just love a challenge so whether I'm making my own books or working uh, with other authors I like to work on things where there's a bit of a complex um like kind of like something that's not necessarily tangible and like finding a way to then show that through illustrations so I'd really like to do a book on kind of like time or something you know like just a really weird concept that isn't that easy to explain and I'd love to then I love the challenge of finding a way to put it into a visual or you know just something really weird I, I love anything science related um and I mean I'm really into history so I always quite happily do um anything history focused um and then I just, I just love a good story so sometimes if I get sent uh, a really cool manuscript for uh, a book then you know sometimes I think yes this is absolutely a story that I want to work on or if I you know if you don't get that feeling when you immediately immediately kind of look at a, a text then it's probably not for you um so I just I like to I like to feel challenged otherwise uh, you kind of because you you're going to be working on this book for a long time. So a book kind of takes you, or for me especially, around six months to illustrate. So you've got to really love what you're doing initially to be able to see it through that six months. If you're not kind, if there's no passion in it to begin with, then you'd be so bored. <laughs> so, and don't worry, Carol keeps me very busy. So. <laughs> 
So girls, thank you so much for talking to us, but we are going to move on to a get to know me round. Mm -hmm. And I will try and ask questions after your answers. It's very hard not to, but we just like everybody to get a little bit more of a sense of who you are. So we know a little bit about your book and a little bit about drawing and illustrating. Um, So Gemma, shall we find out a little bit more? Yeah, let's take it away. So the first question we always start with is what's your favorite season? Shall I go first? Uh, my favourite season, oh, probably autumn, actually, because I, I'm a big walker. I love going out walking in the countryside and out in the peaks, and the colours out in the peaks are amazing in autumn. See, I'm a summer person. I like being warm. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm way prefer, you know, not having to take a jacket anywhere. I just like to, you know feel nice and toasty and warm because I think our house just gets really cold so <laughs> whenever it's sunny it's at least warm in the house um so yeah sunshine and summer for me do you know it's really interesting actually most people say spring or autumn and we're on to season six now in our podcast that so we've had quite a few of them and I think I can recall one other person that said summer and I don't think anyone said winter so you're quite unique there I think the summer person was a surfer as well so it was just so because she loved surfing so she said uh, summer was it Rose yeah it was Rose yeah yeah I knew it was one there's only one I could recall I was so shocked I was like what you don't like because I think people seem to just thrive on the change you know when you're transitioning from one thing to another thing so our questions are very much some weather related, some of them are just random, and this is one of the random ones. So jammy dodgers or jaffa cakes? Oh, I'm a jaffa cakes person. And actually, have you had the new ones that are like cherry flavoured? Oh, they're amazing. <laughs> Karen, have you got jammy dodgers or jaffa cakes? I'm not really a jammy dodger fan. <gasps> I'm 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 the person that eats round the edge of the jaffa cake and then peels off the jam and eats the sponge and saves the jam until the end. Mm-hmm. Well, it's probably quite revolting, but yeah, I'm, I'm definitely up for Jaffa cakes. That's the best way to eat them, I think. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. If you could have a superpower, what would it be? Hmm. If I could have a superpower, I would be able to breathe underwater because I just find being under the water really calming. And it would be really nice to be able to stay there for a long time. And I used to do sub aqua diving a long time ago when I was at university. And if I could breathe underwater, then I could maybe go abroad somewhere really warm and go and dive under the oceans and see all the wonderful fish that Bethan's illustrated in our book. <laughs> that would be mine. Oh, I think for me, it would be being able to get through portals. Like just being able to be like, oh, I don't fancy here right now. I'm just gonna zip across and yeah, go go and be in the Caribbean or something. That'd be nice. Or like, <laughs> yeah, I'm just not bothered about traveling. The traveling bit is really stressful. So actually, if you could just immediately be there, that would be great. Yeah, anywhere you wanted to go. <laughs> yeah, that would be mine. A few of our guests have said that actually. Yeah, that's the most popular answer. Yeah. Oh, I didn't they're, know that. Ooh. They're probably the ones that have recently been stuck on the M1 or on the M25 <laughs> and they're just like, never again. I'm never getting in a car ever again in my whole life. That was, that was <laughs> <my> last week. <laughs> if you were to think back to your childhood, do you have a favourite kids book? Bethan, you go first. Uh, yeah, mine was um, Each Peach Pear Plum by Janet and Alan Allberg. Yeah, that was my favourite. Just so much to spot. I love a book where... There's just tons to spot and there's almost more story hidden away in the pictures that you might not have seen the first time or the second time. And it just makes them so rereadable. So yeah, definitely that one. Yeah, that's a really good one. My favourite was a book by Dick Bruner, who was the invention of Miffy. Most people know Miffy. And he wrote a book called Snuffy. There was a little girl in the story who was lost and and Snuffy found finds her and gives her a ride on his back and brings her home and I just so desperately wanted to be that little girl really wanted to have a ride on the back of the dog and I actually used to play this game um, where I used to pretend that I was an orphan and I used to go outside our house and knock on the front door 
and my mum would answer and I would say I and she would say oh hello who are you and I say I'm an orphan I haven't got a mummy or daddy and she would say oh well you better come in and I'll look after you and then she would make me a hot chocolate and give me a biscuit <laughs> that was my favorite game <laughs> that is too cute <laughs> So yeah, Snotty by Dick Bruner was just the essence of how I wanted my life to be, I think. Oh. <laughs> finding, finding someone to love. Oh. If you were a fruit or vegetable, what one would you be? <laughs> mm. What's fruit or vegetable? Mm. Mm. I'd probably be an apple because I do eat a lot of apples. But that's kind of boring. Yeah, I don't know. That's a really tricky one. Really tricky. Mm, probably. I'll just go with what my favourite is. And it's, you know, those sweet clementines that you only get at Christmas? The The rest of the year, they taste awful. But the ones at Christmas, when they've still got the leaf on them, yeah, that that's what I would be. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to go with apple. Do you know what? An apple is a good one because it always satisfies hunger. Mm. Every generation eats it. We all recognise it and we all love a good apple. And there's lots of different kinds of apples as well. So where I live, um, so I live on the, on in Sheffield, sort of on the edge-ish, but not, you know, it's not countryside. It's definitely urban. But where we, where before all the houses were built in Victorian times, it used to be a big orchard. And so lots of people, lots of my neighbors have apple trees. And uh, in the autumn, we do apple swaps. So someone might have some cookers and you'll swap them for some eaters or someone's got some super sour ones or ones with that horrible scratchy skin, russets. And then I think there are people, you take the apples to them and they weigh your apples and then they give you back that weight in apple juice. And I just think that's a really lovely community thing to do. So, yeah, apples are very, yeah, they're a good community kind of fruit, I think. That's lovely. No, I was just, I was just sitting here thinking about the community aspect of that and the sharing of the apples and the, the apple juice. That I, it's such a lovely idea. That's so lovely. Yeah, I've mm. never heard of. No, never have And also, I, actually, what was going through my head there when you were talking was, I wonder, like, those, ap- those trees must be so special because of how long they're around for there's probably something very different about those about those trees I was thinking of my head I was like I wonder do they graft them they actually do so there's a project in Sheffield called I think it's called something like the real fruit tree project or something like that and they actually take grafts from local trees and graft them onto stock because you know if it's a tree that's grown locally that is healthy then it's probably adapted to that local climate because obviously different parts of the country all have different microclimates as you will know being weather people Um, and then you can buy those trees and plant them in your garden and you know that they're they've come from the local stock and it's just keeping all those local varieties sort of active so yeah I love listening to um, an author unfold the idea of an apple that's fabulous (laughs) (laughs) we've got two more questions so if you could invite one person to dinner and it could be anybody at all from any historical time frame or a fictional character, who would that person be? I think David Attenborough, because when I was growing up, I wanted to be David Attenborough. That was my ambition as a child until I was about, probably until I was in my late 20s, early 30s, I still wanted to be David Attenborough. So I think I would have to invite him for dinner and just listen to all his wonderful stories because I just think he's an incredible person and he's had a fantastic life and just he just must have so many funny tales interesting tales to tell and I bet he's been in a lot of scrapes as well so I think he would be an incredible person to have for dinner. Gosh it's it's hard to think of someone on the spot isn't it? Um, who would I... I don't really see. It's really tricky. <laughs> it could be fictional. It could be, uh, uh, I don't know. Character. We had someone say Dumbledore before. Or was it Gandalf? One Gandalf. of those. <laughs> was it Dumbledore? 
can't remember. It was Dumbledore Gandalf. I'm pretty sure it was one of those that someone mentioned. I'd probably, um, I'd probably take um, a Moomin to dinner. That'd be quite fun because <laughs> oh. I used to really love the Moomins when I was growing up and I still do. It's the lovely, adorable, white little, little hippo things. Um, yes, I'd probably take one of those to dinner because <laughs> I reckon they've got plenty of good sort of I don't know forest adventure stories to tell me so <laughs> <laughs> tell me Bethan who would you if you could sit down with someone and have a cup of tea and draw with them mm. who would that be for you who would I draw oh that's a good question I don't know I guess um do you know probably someone who had some you know really interesting clothes like if I I don't know like historically maybe if I could draw like a real alive ancient Egyptian person that would be really fun because they used to have such amazing outfits um and yeah you know great hats and things you know I like drawing people that have kind of a more you know very eccentric way of being and I, I think that you know you look back and you think that ancient Egyptians are quite eccentric in the way they dress so yeah probably someone like that or I don't know maybe someone like the Mad Hatter you know just someone who's like quite visually interesting to draw so <laughs> and it ties into your whole um idea of a story being turned into a bigger story three images in it (laughs) absolutely (laughs) I love that I love it and our final question that we always like to ask people is what's one thing that you wish everybody knew about kids books and writing kids books and illustrating kids books just one thing a a takeaway message I would say that kids books and all books in fact but kids books in particular have to offer is learning how to have more empathy so when you read a book you basically become the character in that book you become the character that you relate to the most usually it's the main character but not always and that enables you to imagine what it's like to live somebody else's life and picture books is a great way it's a great place to in helping children develop empathy which is obviously a very important skill for us to have now more than ever you know there's a lot of um hate crime is on the up sadly you know crimes against people who are uh, disabled um people who aren't neurotypical people who you know are just differences on and I've looked at the stats for this and it's quite worrying really it's awful so I think to spend time with children reading picture books and asking you know how do you think that character feels what's it like to be them what would you do if you were if you were them um is a really really important developmental skill which can only lead to sort of better community cohesion better understanding better social skills better friendship skills um being kinder to each other so um and i'm actually uh, i'll do a little plug for myself so i'm actually um trained i've had training from an organization called empathy lab and they provide all sorts of resources and support for um, parents carers teachers who want to develop more so yeah, I think my one my one takeaway about picture books is it, it helps develop empathy, which is a really really essential skill for all of us. I think for me, I think the thing that I like to try and remind people about picture books is that, despite the fact that a lot of picture books have got an age bracket written on them, picture books are not just for children. Um, and just because a book has pictures does not make it for children. So kind of, I, I, I think it's, you know, I get asked all the time, like what age uh, are, are these books for? And I think, well, any age really, you can read them as an adult. You don't need a child with you to enjoy 
a picture book. And like sort of Carol has mentioned, has mentioned, a lot of books have actually got, well, children's books have got quite complex meanings and, and concepts wrapped up within them. And there are so many books that I've picked up and they really make you think. Um, and, you know, I'm an adult, I'm not a child, um, but I, I, I love reading picture books. And I quite often admit that I don't really read that many kind of big adult books because I, I, all of my time is spent reading children's books. I find it like a much um, easier way to communicate a story with using two mediums, you're using words and you're using pictures. So you have two different tools that you're actually communicating a whole story with. Whereas sometimes I find now that, you know, I sit down and I read like a, an adult's book with no pictures at all. And it's, there's quite a lot of, uh, I guess, responsibility on you as a reader to kind of come up using your own imagination with that story and you know how the world looks how your characters look and sometimes you know that's a lot of work isn't it whereas I I don't know I quite I I enjoy pictures in my books so if I do do kind of you know more reading I read a lot of YA where there's sometimes you know little illustrations and stuff I find it really kind of brings the story to life having pictures but then I'm quite a visual person so yeah I, I guess don't it's about like not you know not not picking up a book because it's got pictures in it giving it a go and you know there's so many fantastic books that are for adults that only only are in pictures you know like graphic novels and comic books and things and actually go and take yourself on a really exciting adventure with pictures <laughs> that's really it yeah I think that's so true and I think you know, the best authors and illustrators, what we all try and do is really pull out the essence, we really pull out the heart about, so whether we're talking about the weather or the planets, or we're talking about being brave, or we're telling ballet stories, or we're telling fairy tales, we try, our work is to pull out like the very essence of that message, and, and communicate that in an accessible way. And I think in a picture book, because you have so very few words to play with and your images, you know, have to relate to those words, it's incredibly challenging and difficult to do. But when it's done well, it's just such a satisfying thing to, to read that book. That level of satisfaction speaks to any age. You know, you can be any age and, you know, when you're writing a picture book, you are writing for the adults as well, because it, the process of reading a picture book is quite often a shared thing between an adult and a child. And it creates a feeling of warmth and safety and security for that children. And it's like really good quality family time. Authors and illustrators who are able to do that just have such incredible skill. Um, like when you really start to drill into it and think about, wow, how, how they actually communicated that. It's, it's incredible to, to see. So, yeah, I think picture books are amazing. I love buying books for all of my friends' kids. And obviously I've got a nephew now, so I love bu buying him books. And I read every single book before I buy it. So if I don't enjoy it, I'm like, mm, I'm probably not going to buy that. But I am very happy to just sit in the bookshop and just read all the books through and they're so enjoyable. Mm. And I agree, people should just do it more. They're so enjoyable. There's so many lovely messages in there as well. And they're the things that you keep, you know, the picture books um, that you love as a child, they stay with you for your whole life. You know, you keep, you keep your old battered copy and you want to read it to your own children. You know, they, picture books can become embedded in your family culture. Um, and that is like when I when people get in touch with me and tell me that that just makes my heart burst because I, I know that, you know, my work and the work of the people that I work with has been really appreciated by the, the people who read those books. And it's become 
part of their daily routine. It's become, you know, when my children were growing up, we would quite often say lines from books as part of our conversation. It just becomes embedded in, in your family culture. And I think that's incredible for, for a book to be able to do that. It's just incredible. Absolutely. I actually had someone sent me a, a picture on Twitter a couple of months ago. And uh, the dad had had one of my characters tattooed onto his arm. Like, that's goals, that is. I've got your Twitter now. That's amazing. <laughs> that is the highest possible compliment right there. <laughs> um, speaking of Twitter, um, if we want to find both of you um carol where can we find you so on twitter i'm at carol Hart one numeral one uh on instagram i'm at carol Hart. i'm also on tiktok not very successfully don't know what i'm doing but um i think i'm carol Hart author on tiktok i'm, I'm everywhere just google carol Hart and you'll find me and it's carol with a y by the way c-a-r-y-l you have to spell it right and if you want to find me, um, you can find me over at Instagram and Twitter, both the same, um, just at Bethan Wolven. Um, it's two O's, two L's. Um, <laughs> and, but if you Google my name, you'll find me because there's only one of me, apparently. So, <laughs> Well, there's definitely a unique joining of the pair of you together with your lovely little books that you've created and um yeah, thank you for me uh, for creating them uh, because I have enjoyed them with my children and I will continue to do so and I look forward to the next one. But also thank you very much for talking to us as well and giving us a little bit of an insight into what it's like to write a book about a topic that we really love. So thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. And it means so much to us coming from you, you know, like what higher acclaim can we have than, than someone like you kind of saying that you like our book? I mean, that that's just yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for having us it's been a delight <laughs> um before we go if we could ask everyone to please subscribe rate and review the podcast and share it with everybody that you think would like to have a little listen um it really helps people find our podcast if we share it and then we can share our love of the weather with everybody um you can find us on instagram we are for the love of weather on twitter we are the number four love of weather um, and just a reminder that you can find Bethan and Carol's book, uh, Meet the Weather, in all bookshops. You can also find Meet the Planets and Meet the Oceans. You should definitely go and have a little read of all of those. They are all awesome. And as always, we just hope that you leave this episode loving the weather just that little bit more. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thank you. <laughs>